Hello and welcome to the final episode of the second season of Time Out. I'm Nick Lebrano, alongside me, my co-host Jack Henry Sissio, and our special guest and host next semester, Gabe Baltiera. Unfortunately, Jeremy Goldstein not here today. He's currently calling the softball game. We were calling this, we were doing this this show a couple days early. It just conflicts with move out times and everything. So best to do it this way. So we still got a show. We still got a finale. So I'll throw it over to Jack Henry and Gabe. How are you guys feeling today, guys? Uh, I'm good, Nick. How are you? Doing good. It's a regular Thursday, and I think last Thursday, and it's good for me until August. Gabe, you? Yeah, same here. Yeah, I'm. I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I, I personally, I am very excited for next semester. We're talking to Gabe about it. I mean, <laughs> living together is going to be a great, great deal for us. Right. But <laughs> today's Thursday. Yankees Astros series just ended. Yankees unfortunately fall to the Astros in the third game, but the Yankees will take the series two to three. I'll throw it to Jack Henry first. So what are your thoughts on the game today? What are your thoughts on the series as a whole? Anything surprise you? Anything jump out of you? Look, as the series as a whole, we did a pretty good job. I mean, we took two out of three from them. But if you look at today's game, today was a game we definitely could have won. When you have a 3-2 lead in the top of the eighth inning with five outs to go, you expect to be able to win the ball game. But that wasn't the case as Chad Green got knocked around. And then public enemy number one, Jose Altuve, went deep with a three-run shot. And then you go to the bottom of the eighth inning and some heads-up base running by Labor Torres, which I thought you would never see again, and especially from him. Mm-hmm. We thought we had a chance in the bottom of the inning. But then Justin Wilson comes in in the top of the inning and gives up a two-run home run to Martin Maldonado, who had previously gone 75 plate appearances without an RBI. What did you think of that? And that basically sealed the deal. This was a game that should have been won, this was a game the Astros stole from us. What I, the way I look at this game is snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah, no, definitely got it right there, Gabe. What are your thoughts on the series? Uh, Astros, we obviously know the history between these two teams. The Astros and the Yankees going back all the way to the cheating scandal in 2017 and then losing in 2008, 2019, where there were still rumors of maybe a buzzer being on Altuve when he hit that home run. Those are all unconfirmed, obviously. But thoughts here, the series is a pretty – angry series i'm sure you've seen a lot of the chants that have gone on with the fl tuve and all that all the whole nine yards there well yeah there's been a lot of that and they deserve it there's no way around it yeah and also i want to interject here real fast you know so uh during this series i'm pretty sure and quote me if i'm wrong here stop me if i'm wrong here uh yankee stadium had like there were fans in the stand, yeah. which was there, there have been fans all season, but it's going to be 100% capacity. But yeah, and so, so this was 20% capacity, and the capacity, and which is huge. And I think that is like, and of course, I'll get into my take of the series, but I just want to give that a huge like that should be something amazing because, like, remember back like last summer where it was just an empty stadium and it felt like you know we'd, it would be like just over the uh the surround sound speakers that you'd hear fans cheering. Now we actually have fans in the stands cheering again, saying, you know, bad things to Altuve um, as they should, because, you know, with the whole Astros scandal that happened. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think this, as, as Jack said, you know, I think this uh, series, you know, they played well, they took two games away from the Astros, but I think this could have been a series at the Yankees and should, and the Yankees should have taken uh, into their own hands. Um, I want to ask you, Jack, a question. So was there a game specifically in this series that you saw that kind of stood out to you that the Yankees either played well or should have played better? 
Well, today would, would be the game that sticks out to me. It was playing better. The bullpen, obviously. Look, they've been great all season, but they the lo- coming into this game, we had the, the Yankees at the lowest ERA, bullpen yes, ERA in the entire was, MLB. Yeah, Nick, that's what the shocker is, was that it was today of all games where they decided to blow it big time. And this was the game that could have been won and obviously wasn't. And another interesting point was that when you have your ace on the mound in Garrett Cole, you're expected to win almost every time. But strangely enough, this season, the Yankees are only four and three every time he's on the mound. And that's not good enough. One thing I will say about Garrett Cole that I have noticed over the just tenure with the Yankees, I guess, he's lights out, like strikeouts, lights out. But he does tend to give up home runs. Um, he doesn't really give up base hits, but he tends to give up home runs, giving up two today to Jordan Alvarez. Uh, basically, it's going to be a career DH. Um, but that's one thing about Garrett Cole. But it's hard to knock Garrett Cole. I, no, I'm not one of the well, easily top three, could yeah. be the second best pitcher in baseball. Look, he's been doing his job every time. It's been the rest of the team or somebody else not doing their job that has contributed to only a four and three record. And one player I definitely think we should be shouting out here is John Carlos Stanton. Um, Yankees are getting exactly what we, I guess, what the team thought they were going to be getting when they traded for him right now. He's absolutely lights out. He homered in every single game this series. Um, RBIs lights out, doubles. Uh, just getting on base. This is not the John Carlos Stanton I think Yankee fans are used to watching, but he is easily the could be the hottest player in baseball right now. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at a week or two ago, he was only batting 150, and now he's batting 320 something. Yeah, I, I was over the last 12 games, he's batted over 460. It was actually so, 510 around. That's it's insane. Gabe, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, I think you know he's he's produced what we would like him to produce and that's you know as, as important as it is um but i want to ask a question here and just changing the subject so the yankees are playing the nationals um i believe well, this, weekend. this weekend yes and i will be there on sunday wow there you go yeah first time since that. game four of the alcs in 2019 i will be back wow. mm-hmm. that's that's gonna be a good feeling absolutely uh, but so let me ask you, Jack, since you're going to be there in person, what are you looking for this game? What are you guys looking from this series against, against Washington? I'm looking for at least for them to take two out of three, if not a sweep. The Nationals are not the same team they were in 2019 when they won the World Series. They have lost a lot of big parts. and Well, especially a big part. Anthony Rendon's not there. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah, that's, that was one. He was the glue that's held them together. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, still, still got, it's still not going to be an easy series, especially when you look at their starting pitching and you have a player like Juan Soto. It easily could be top five player in baseball currently. Yeah, look, I think it'll be a great series, but I expect the Yankees to win it, if not sweep it. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. No excuses other than to at least, at least win the series. Um, Yankees definitely so far looking like they're turning their season around from that poor bottom of the AL start they were at. But Absolutely. now turning it around, I think they have the best record in baseball. Um, in the last, I don't even know what number of games, but I think it might be the last 10 games. The, best, the Yankees have the best record in baseball, or the AL at least. Um, which is a nice flip because the Dodgers at the start of the season, best record in baseball, and on the bottom of the NL, Dodgers can't win anything right now. Um, and Mookie Betts is he's just off, like really off. A lot of strikeouts, really not hitting. Um, well, that's what usually what happened with him. Like if you'll remember back in 2018 when he was with the Red Sox, he was on fire. But then in 2019, the following year, he wasn't the same player, and the Red Sox didn't have the same success. Last year in 2020, 
he was an MVP caliber player once again, and he led the Dodgers to a World Series title. And then obviously off to a slow start again this year. I guess it might just be a perennial thing, but it is only May and he has time to get it back together. There's certainly a lot of baseball left to be played. Um, and shifting over, let's talk a little bit about the Mets. Uh, Francisco Lindor still cannot hit. Uh, the same thing we were saying last week. Um, so are the Mets really in danger here? Lights out starting pitching, as we've talked about week in and week out. Um, what's, uh, Jacob deGrom has looked great. Marcus Stroman has looked great. They still don't have Noah Syndergaard back, so the pitching get even better. But the fact that they have no run support really making them, hurting the Mets a little bit in a year where they thought imp- they'd definitely be having improved once run support when you trade for a player such as Francisco Lindor and sign him to the huge contract he has. You have Pete Alonso who, in my opinion, is a little overrated from what Met fans make him out to be, but he's supposed to be a lights-out hitter, a 50-home-run hitter a year, uh, kind of first baseman. Um, I'll, throw it, I'll throw it to Jack Henry, and then we'll move into Gabe. Should the Mets be concerned? Well, it, like you said, it is very early in the season. It's only the first week of May for them. And believe it or not, despite all their struggles, they're only one and a half games out of first place. So I don't quite think it's time to hit the panic button yet. But obviously, if they continue struggling in another week or so, then it might be time to worry. Gabe, yeah. what are your thoughts here? Especially yeah. especially about Francisco Lindor. I think he's one of the more interesting stories in baseball currently. Yeah, you know, I'm going to agree with Jackie. I mean, I think, you know, it's there's a long road of season to go. You know, we're just getting into May. Um, you know, we, we got a long way to go. So I, I wouldn't – if I were the Mets, I wouldn't hit the panic button just yet. Um, just Just solely because, you know – I think every team or at least several teams in MLB have that kind of, you know, I guess lull in between, you know, where they're just kind of getting their feet underneath them. Um, so, yeah, if I were the Mets, I wouldn't be worrying right now. I wouldn't be panicking at all. As we are recording this, the Mets are just currently at the top of the ninth. Mets looking like they're going to win 4-1 against the uh, St. Louis Cardinals currently. So they would they win that series, winning 7-2 yesterday. Uh, the Cardinals. Cardinals did take the first, actually the series got a tie. Cardinals took the first two of the games of that series and the Mets are going to take the last two, but looking forward to the Mets schedule, I think we could say it's fairly favorable um, coming up. They have a three game series against the Diamondbacks and then they got the Orioles for two games. They get the Rays back for another three game series and then they meet the Braves on May 17th. So their schedule going forward, I would say is definitely somewhat in their favor. I would say the yeah. only tough series in that stretch might either be the Braves or Possibly the Rays, but mm-hmm. I'd say more I, so the Braves because especially they're going to have Ronald Acuna Jr. back by then. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not entire. I'm not entirely like. I'm not like the Rays aren't a very intimidating team, especially if they're starting pitching. Like Ryan Yarborough looks good. They have Tyler Glass now still, but they're they're not like anything. So I don't think they're anything to be worried about. They're they're hitting like they're such a weird team. The Rays. I think they're one of the weirder teams in the MLB, especially considering no one's getting paid any money, really. No big money on that team at all. Right. They like, they're like the most efficient front office in baseball. <laughs> um, and speaking, just, just coming in here with, you know, this is still baseball related, but um, I was looking up, you know, just about, speaking of the Orioles, they uh, their pitcher threw a no-hitter yesterday. Yeah. Like John Means. I mean, um, he's been great for them this year. That's, I mean – and I'm, I'm not the huge, biggest fan of baseball, but that's very impressive and I believe very hard to do uh, as a pitcher, in the, especially in the MLB. It's really yeah, hard. And John Means, like, that's the first complete game uh, no-hitter for a Orioles pitcher in almost 50 years. 
Wow. I think Which is, yeah, I think, I think it was 50 years ago. Yeah, 69. So that's a, that's a little over 50 years ago um, for John Means. It's a, it's a great feat. And we've seen now three no-hitters this year. Um, yeah. Carlos Rodon. Yeah. And then we had Joe Musgrove before that. Um, pitching in the MLB is looking like it's at a premier high. Uh, something definitely to be on the lookout for. Yeah, you know, uh, this could be partly due to the balls not being juiced as they were the past two seasons. Oh yeah, no, the balls were the balls were so many home runs. Yeah, the last yeah. couple of seasons, yeah. which is definitely I, I personally I love good pitching. I think good pitching matchups are what we should be what people look forward to. Absolutely, it's old school baseball. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, uh, okay, another question before we round out this segment here, we have about. We could probably go for another four or five minutes left on this segment. We can cut it short uh, if there's not much left to talk about. Who is the one MLB team so far this year? I'll throw to Jack Henry first. That surprised you so far this year? Well, so far this season, I would have to say the Kansas City Royals, believe it or not, because they're playing at a pretty hot pace. I'm I'm probably – I was just about to agree with you, though. Right now they're 16 and 13, and, I mean, they've been in almost – very closely at the bottom of their division along with the Detroit Tigers, but the Tigers are having an awful season with the Royals. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're really hanging in there. They're tied with the White Sox. They're tied with the White Sox and the Indians for the first ALS place in the division. Kyle Isbell looks really good. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's part of this. Kyle Isbell, rookie for the Royals. He's really, he really does look really good this year, and I think he's definitely going to be a contender for AL Rookie of the Year. I think so, yeah. so. Yeah, I was going to say Kansas City as well. I mean, what do you guys think has changed for the Royals in the past, I guess, offseason that has made this team so good? Is it, you know, Nick, you were saying about their their rookie, but could it, what else could you think it could be? Good farm systems build good baseball teams. Yeah. And absolutely. I think it's, we're seeing, you, you get to see, I think it's nice. The Braves are another one of those franchises. We really get to see the fruits of having a really good farm system develop. Like, because Ronald Acuna Jr. came out of their farm system. I'm pretty sure Mike Soroka did too. There's a few players. Ozuna, I'm pretty sure, also did. Uh, there's a lot of players. The Braves are one of those teams that really built top up uh, from their farm system. We're bottom, bottom of their division, now at the top of their division. And I, that's, I love seeing that in baseball too, where it's good management. You get good scouting. Um, you make up for it in good prospects. Uh, and that's something they think the Yankees are doing currently. Well, Jason Dominguez, uh, he's a few years out. So nowhere near ready to start the MLB anytime soon. He's still, what, 17? Yeah. So, but Jason well, Dominguez yeah, wasn't no, even drafted. No. That was international signing money. So, <laughs> I mean, that's going to be exciting. Years old. I, I personally, I, I feel like I'm going to need to be in the stands to watch Jason Dominguez's MLB <laughs> debut. He's like, he's probably the most promising Absolutely. prospect that's in baseball. Be special. Uh, he's, I don't, know, I don't know if you've seen any footage on him, Gabe. But yeah. the dude wow. is 17. He's called he's a freak athlete. He's huge. Wow. You got he's like he's bigger than you. <laughs> I mean, you know, and I was just thinking like at 17 years old, like that's gotta be like really like he must be some prospect to be like a junior. Yeah, a junior. He's not even playing school. minor league baseball yet. I mean, that's insane. He's in Cuba still. He's not in Cuba. He's in the DR, I think. But he hasn't even. I don't think he's come to the states yet. That's a, that's very impressive. I mean, to be that young. And already to be, you know, considered to be playing at such a high level of baseball. I mean, that's very, very impressive. Unbelievable. That's mm-hmm. going to be, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
And that's going to wrap up here. The first block here on the timeout finale. You just heard some baseball. We're going to come back. We're going to give you some NFL draft analysis. Last week, a huge night in the NFL with the NFL draft. We'll give you our takes on some of the top picks in the league. You're listening to timeout here on VIC radio. Hey besties. If you love VIC radio as much as we do, you want to know what's going on in the studio or you want to stay in the VIC loop, why not follow us on our Twitter at VIC Radio and our Instagram, which is also at VIC Radio. Keep listening to the best of what's next, your favorite indie music station. VIC Radio is the voice of Ithaca College. Here's a campus organization you can get involved in. Want to help bring a little more love to your campus community? I see Random Acts of Kindness Club meets every Monday from 8 to 9 p.m. in the Business School, Room 104. Stop by to socialize, participate in fun events, get creative, and be kind. For more information, please email randomactsofkindnessic at gmail.com. Want to get your organization's message on the air? Email community at vicradio.org to connect with the Campus Community Involvement Director. Time out. So to, we are going to continue with the second block here talking about the NFL draft. So Nick, your thoughts as a Green Bay fan, starting off with you, how do you guys think you did the draft? Okay. So if all the Aaron Rodgers stuff wasn't at the top of NFL news, this is actually a pretty good draft. I actually really like Eric Strokes a lot. Um, Eric Stokes is a really speedy cornerback. We took in the first round. Obviously I was really hoping we'd take, Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss after Rashad Bateman went off the board, but it's fine. It's whatever. Um, but Eric Stokes is definitely – we need – look, all these casual fans that are Packer fans are all going to be freaking out that there wasn't a wide receiver taken in the, in the first round. But look at this. The second – if arguably the second biggest need on the team outside a wide receiver was cornerback. We have Jair Alexander. He's going to be a perennial all-pro. He's, I think, one of the best, if not the best, cornerback in the league after Jalen Ramsey. Uh, Jair Alexander lockdown. If you put Eric Stokes and if Eric Stokes can turn into what we're hoping he can turn into, obviously, if Eric Stokes turns into that cornerback that a first round pick should be, he's got the speed, he's got the coverage. We could have two lockdown cornerbacks in the Packers secondary. That'd be awesome. Who no one's gonna be able to throw anything. Yeah, I mean that, um, that would be fantastic for you guys. Yeah, and even yeah. off that. Uh, second round, second round, we took a center from Ohio State. People were bashing the pick. Oh, why are you taking a center? You let, you let Corey Lindsley walk. Corey Lindsley wanted an insane amount of money, and the Packers are so capped out right now. This dude at Ohio State was the captain of the entire football team. Yeah. That's got to show something of character, especially because he's an offensive lineman. So you take that. He fits in right at the – hopefully he can start sooner. He fits in right there. But even if he can, Elton Jenkins can play any single, any single pot spot on the offensive line that we need him to. Yeah. So I'm not entirely concerned about that either. And then in the third round, you know what? You got your wide receiver in Amari Rodgers. If anyone's watched any Clemson football, Amari, you know Amari Rodgers is actually a good wide receiver. And it was actually shocking that he fell into the third round. Everyone, yeah, was I was, I was kind pick. of blown away by that to see that he fell that far down. And so, not that I'm, like, you know, he, he is a phenomenal, and I watched him Clemson football. He is a phenomenal wide receiver. Yeah, he like all these Packer fans that are panicking about this. Like, what do you oh, stop it? God. This is, I mean, if, if Rogers, you know, his future, look, even is it, look, TBD, um, I, I have calmed down about the entire thing. I've kind of come to terms with it. I'm personally, if you're a, if you're a fan of a sporting team, you should never be rooting for anybody in your team to lose. I'm all in on Jordan. Love. 
Yeah. If the team was so sold on him that they took him in the first round last year, I got, I got to. As a Packer fan, that's what you got to do. So I'm, I am sold on Jordan Love. You got him. You got, he has Devontae Adams, who's probably, he could be the best wide receiver in football outside of DeAndre Hopkins. And now you got Amari Rogers, who's at home. You have Amari Rogers and Devin Funches. We have to remember they signed Devin Funches last year, but he opted out. So Devin Funches is also going to be a wide receiver for him this year. They have Alan Lazard. What'd you say? He's going to be a welcome addition to your offense. Yeah, exactly. And you also have you have um, we draft Amari Rogers. We also have Marquez Valdez Stantling. So if we can work on his catching issues, and he's not going to drop as many passes, that's a valid deep threat. And you also have you have Alan Lazard. Um, Aaron Jones can get involved in the passing game. He's a good running back. And you have A.J. Dillon in his second year. He's definitely going to take a step up. And he's shown huge flashes, especially if you look at what happened in the Titans game last year. A.J. Dillon can be a workhorse running back. Look how big the dude is. Yeah. Oh, he was unbelievable. So, that he was unbelievable. So, so yeah. I mean, it, I, you guys as are – As a Packer fan, I'm not, I'm not like the other – like these like casual Packer fans who are like going to freak out about what's going on. Sure, it might suck that Aaron Rodgers may not be here. I've – you, you got to move on. You got to make best of what you got. And what could happen, Aaron, let's say Aaron Rodgers gets traded to the Broncos or something. We're going to get a huge haul for that. He's a reigning oh, yeah. MVP. We're oh, going to be set up for a rebuild. We're a competitive team right now, and we can be set up for a rebuild years down the line. Nick, so I don't if think Jordan go to the Broncos because they just got Teddy Bridgewater. Well, fair, but people are saying that he's like, that's like the top of the list. Apparently the Broncos are interested because they just dumped Drew Locke. And, and regardless of what it is, Teddy Bridgewater is not a starting quarterback anymore. Yeah. So I want to throw it to Jack Henry here. So you as a Jets fan have, have gone Zach Wilson. And how do you feel now having him as a QB? I feel pretty good about the system he's going to be coming into. It's not going to be a train wreck like Darnold came into with, Todd Bowles or Adam Gase, we now have an established head coach in Robert Sala, and I expect great things this year. Look, I Michael don't. Michael is also going to be a good offensive. Yeah, he's going to be great. In my opinion, a real offensive genius, unlike Adam Gase. Yeah, I mean, I think Nick and I talked about this many a times on timeout in the first semester. I mean, Adam Gase, you know, kind of destroyed Sam Donald's like multi, like first and second season. He did, um, and Gase is just a coach that. You know, it's a, it's been a train wreck. It just has never been good for Gase, and, I, and I'm glad that Wilson is going in. He has a you know solid coaching staff behind him. Uh, but there's been some doubts, I guess some people can say, with Zach Wilson's ability as as a QB. What do you think? What are your thoughts on that? Well, obviously, I think with any rookie quarterback, they're going to have growing pains throughout the season. But then they're also going to show flashes of what you originally drafted them for, and that's what I expect to see from. Zach Wilson this year, and I expect the coaching staff to work closely with him and to yeah. monitor that. And I think seen... we'll, uh, I'll, I'll go first. I think one thing that we could say about Zach Wilson is he's a rookie quarterback. He's out of he's out of a Midwest school that hasn't played like insane competition in BYU. That's one knock on him. But one thing you can say is he's walking into a way different situation than Sam Darnold is. And as both of you know, I am a Sam Darnold supporter. I still don't think the Jets should have given up on him like they did, but that's just not my opinion. It's, it's not my place to say anything. I don't run the Jets. Yeah. Um, uh, to, to your point, I thought he was a great teammate and he took everything that was thrown at him to the best that he could, but it just wasn't really set up for him to be successful here yeah because sam darnold our, never sam, sam darnold never had a running back outside of Le'Veon bell he never no, really had a wide receiver traded. better than crowd yeah who got yeah um he never had a wide receiver outside of jameson crowder and jameson crowder on any offense no no offense the jets should not be your number one option um That's and he didn't true. play with an o-lineman 
So when you look at what Zach Wilson's going to walk into now, and I think you'll definitely agree with me, he gets Elijah Moore, he gets Corey Davis. Uh, oh, you guys drafted um, – You guys drafted Vera the – Yeah, Vera Tucker. Other O-lineman. So mm-hmm. him along with Becton should definitely make our offensive line that much stronger. And uh, the, you guys got the wide receiver from UNC, Michael Carter. Yes, he's going to be who's good. He's definitely going to be good. He's, people say he's a little small, but the dude looks like he can be a really powerful running back. Uh, and we so, also got a Matt Cole from the 49ers as well. Yeah, yeah, and you Tevin Coleman also. Yeah, he Tevin, signed for nothing. Yeah, he's going to be great in the backfield. So the Jets' offense arguably looks a lot better than it did last year, and this is on one offseason's improvement. So, and I, one thing I think we should definitely be excited for is Makai Becton's improvement because Makai Becton showed huge flashes when he wasn't injured last year, and everyone said the big knock on Makai Becton would be that he was going to take a few years to develop. So if he looks that good last year, how good is he going to look this year? Oh, he's, I think he's only going to be that much better. I mean, he was unbelievable last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. I mean, the, I mean the, this is in this off season. I haven't been as excited or optimistic about the Jets as I have been in a long time. Probably mm-hmm. since the Rex Ryan and Mark Sanchez era. Era. <laughs> I'll throw it now to Gabe. Gabe, you're a Patriot fan. You guys drafted Bustin Mac Jones. How do you feel? <laughs> um, you know, at least you know I. <laughs> and neutral, I guess you could say about Magnus. I like, I like the kid. He, he's a good QB, you know, um, but I think he is different from the QBs in, in a kind of a, an odd way because he's more of just show me the play and I'll, and I'll do the play. He's not like a, you know, someone that can just make stuff up on the fly. So I think that's why he's kind of a good pairing with Belichick because Belichick's like, okay, here's what you're going to do and execute that on the field. You know, he's, he's not like Brady or any of these, you know, young QBs that are like, Oh, you know, I'm getting, you know, tackled. I got to, you know, scramble outside the pocket and make a, you know, a Pat Mahomes, like under the throw baseball throw type of thing. Um, so, I mean, I'm excited. You know, I think he can bring some stuff to, for the Patriots that are going to, you know, hopefully give us a decent record. I mean, maybe, you know, much better than last year. I mean, no, no. no Cam's here. definitely going to start week one. Yeah. So. I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just think that, you know, he was a solid choice in my opinion. Um, you know, we needed a QB. That's one of the spots that we've been trying to fill for, you know, the Patriots or the Patriots have been trying to fill for a long time. So, yeah, the big question is going to be um, when Brady makes his return to Gillette Stadium in the Bucks Patriots matchup. <laughs> oh, God. Who's oh. starting, Cam Newton or Mac Jones by then? I mean, See, <laughs> the one thing about Mac Jones, in my opinion, is there are two, I have two huge knocks on Mac Jones. If you watch any tape on him, he is, people think that, I'll start with this. People think Justin Fields is a first read quarterback and that's it. Justin Fields, I think is a little more than a first read quarterback. Yeah. I don't think he's insane. I'm not even biased because he's, he's on bear now. I'm not even that. I didn't think Justin Fields was that great coming into the draft. Ohio State and Bama both don't really have a great rep of making NFL quarterbacks. Yeah. Well, um, well Tua. Kind of, just a little well, bit. I'm not sold on Tua yet. We got we got to wait a little bit I'm on that. I'm not sold on yeah. Tua either. Yeah. Um, but with Mac Jones, he is the definition of a first read quarterback. Like if you oh, watch yeah. a lot of tape, like there are a lot. There's a lot of times when Wa- Jalen Waddle got wide open because he can. He's so fast. He can blow any cornerback, oh. especially at a college level. He's just wide open. But Mac Jones is always looking to his first read and through an incompletion or through a pass for like five six yards, and Waddle was wide open for a touchdown. So Mac Jones, I don't think he has really good field awareness. Um, that's one knock on him. And another one is, look at the numbers Mac Jones put up, but look at what offense he was dealing with. Mac exactly. Jones was throwing, exactly Mac Jones was throwing to Jalen Waddle, Heisman winner Devontae Smith, and he had Najee Harris. 
all Dude, three first round picks. Also, I want I want to point out here that the the team that they were, the teams that Alabama were playing were you know there were times where they would go to you know LSU Tennessee any you know any of those teams and some of their starters weren't even playing. So sometimes they were playing against like a sec they were playing against a practice team or even like a third you know a third string practice team. So sometimes Max Jones was putting up the numbers because he was playing against a practice squad. So you can't, so like, I agree with you, Nick. It's like, we don't even know if he's actually capable of handling the pressure of being, you know, rushed by someone that is actually as good as someone in the NFL, you know, because the, of COVID and whatnot. Yeah. The SEC as a whole this year wasn't, wasn't where it was. LSU was awful after yeah. winning their national championship. They had so many seniors graduate out of that team. They need, they need a whole recruitment rebuild now because of how many people graduated and were NFL picks after how good that LSU team was. Oh, yeah. um, the only like valid, like even comparison, like competition I could think to Bama this year was Georgia a little bit. But yeah, I mean, they the would SEC blow teams was nowhere out near where it was. <laughs> like they would blow teams out by like 15, 20 points, even like, you know, 40 points too. So, like, you know, the, the Mac Jones, don't get me wrong, he's like a, a good quarterback. But I want to see him play against like an like actual NFL players where he knows like it's not going to be like oh it's a second string or a third string or whatever like, like that. Yeah, those are going to be the prove it moments for him, Gabe. Exactly. Exactly. AJ McCarron looks like a could be a Heisman winner when he was there for Bama. AJ McCarron's a career backup. Yeah, absolutely. So exactly. We'll see what happens because just Nick Saban's system's so good and the way they recruit is at such a higher level than most college programs. That's why these players look so good. I'm not sold. I. Time will tell on Mac Jones, but if I had to make my bet on who's the Josh Rosen of this of this quarterback class, it's going to be him or it could be Justin Fields. But we'll see what I'm happens. Justin, Jones. <laughs> I, I think I, I'm, I, I put more money on Mac Jones than Justin Fields. I think Justin yeah. Fields is more athleticism. Mac Jones is – no, it's a Mac Jones. Mac Jones, he's a big boy. He's, I, he's a big boy. He's just, just a pure clear, pocket passer. You're not worried about Justin Fields taking over your division, are you? No, because I, I don't think I don't like I'm not, I don't trust Matt Nagy enough. <laughs> yeah, Matt Nagy hasn't really shown much yet. If he gets, like, don't get me wrong, I think Justin Fields could be a powerhouse quarterback under the right head coach. It's just not Matt Nagy. And this is my total unbiased opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think I, think, I, I personally think that the I think the Vikings are going to be neck and neck with the Packers this year for the 100%, division. Hundred percent, I agree with that. You know, the Vikings they're a they're a streaky team. You just never know with them. It's yeah, cool. It's because of Kirk Cousins, <laughs> but like wide receiver wise, like yeah. Justin Jefferson's insane. Oh, yeah, that great, but um, yeah, Kirk Cousins, I think he's, he's a bit like, overrated. Oh uh, well, yeah, I think you should. Uh, my favorite, my favorite thing about my favorite thing about Kirk Cousins, if you look at his record in prime time, it's like awful. Yeah, he, he's like won like three games in his career in prime time. It's my favorite thing on the planet. But yeah, we'll, yeah we'll some players just the prime time it gets to them the bright mm-hmm. lights. The whole country watching. Sticking sticking with NFL draft, I'll throw it to both of you. Who do you think had the worst pick of the first round? I have my I definitely have my pick. Um I, there's one pick in the first round that made absolutely no sense. But I'll throw I'll go last. I'll throw it, I'll throw it to Gabe and then we'll go to Jack Henry. Oh, I mean, you know what? I I we're gonna be honest, I didn't follow the draft as much as kind of watch the first couple rounds. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm gonna throw it to Jack here and then I'll kind of just do a little bit of uh support with you guys so you go well, jack what's your choice well my choice is believe it or not in terms of worst picks i don't think anybody really had a worst yeah but in terms of taking a steal like what the 
Eagles did with the three Ray trade with the Cowboys and the Giants about how they acquired. Oh, the actually, yeah, <laughs> that was something else. Yeah, Eagles doing it to the Giants once again. They did it on Sunday night against Washington. I think it's a blessing in disguise. The regular season, and for the second time, they've done it in a little over three months. So who I knows think, what this season's going to have in store? I think that trade was a blessing in disguise, in my opinion, a little bit. Um, because I don't, I don't get why the Giants would take Devontae Smith, especially after like really going all in on offense this this offseason and signing Kenny Galladay. Uh, they signed uh, they signed John Ross, who's more of a special teams player, but they still have Darius Slayton and they still have Sterling Shepard. They signed Kyle Rudolph. They have uh, signing the drafting Devontae Smith really doesn't make much sense. Well, I Darius get Tooney isn't proven yet, and well, fair. Neither is Slayton, but. Kenny Galladay has, if he can stay. Hey, Kenny healthy. Galladay definitely is a proven veteran, but to be honest, in terms of the Giants, this is it for Daniel Jones to prove whether he's. Oh, the, if he, they if, if they make if they don't make the playoffs, Daniel Jones is gonna. They will be drafting a quarterback next year. There's no excuse. This Giants team should make the playoffs. I think they should win the a, I think they should win the NFC East. No question. Yeah. Um, and now yeah. they have another they wide receiver have the with two with um the uh, not so great teams in there, but I think one team that definitely will challenge them is going to be because they are going to get Prescott back this year and hope and now they have Micah Parsons so yeah and I think Cowboys are actually going to win that division but Giants can compete for a while hard but yeah we'll see what happens I don't quite think Jalen Hurts and the Eagles are there yet and then I I, I need to see Jalen Hurts do it for another year yeah yeah same here and then Ryan Fitzpatrick on the Washington football team that could go either way their defense the Washington football team's defense is just so good where that's exactly what happened this year, even though they, they were what they were seven and what were they seven, seven and nine, nine and they made seven the playoffs, but their defense was really good. And they almost with Taylor Heineke, they almost beat the Bucks. They only lost yeah. five points. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll give I'll give my take on the worst pick of the first round. Uh, definitely Travis Etienne to Jacksonville, which made no sense. Oh my gosh! Well, at least he's with with Lawrence. I mean, yeah, I guess, yeah, he's going back to Lawrence, but they had James Robinson. A bit of a burden off of him and somebody he knows and take a little bit yeah. of the pressure off. But the whole thing, they had James Robinson, who finished top five in rushing last year. Yeah. As an undrafted, it just doesn't make sense. James Robinson's a, he's a good running back. Um, I don't yeah. think jumping on Travis Etienne made much sense. Uh, tra- tra- I guess they're going to do a dual, a dual back thing. Travis Etienne's more of a receiving back anyway. And James Robinson, like they're probably going to use ETN as a third down back, but why waste a first round pick on a third down back? And yeah. the Raiders reach on Alex Leatherwood because, well, John Gruden likes drafting people by how cool their name sounds. <laughs> he does it every year. The Raiders, the Raiders draft like so oddly. I, I like remember two years ago when they took Clellan Farrell third overall. <laughs> I didn't understand. I was confused. I don't, I don't, I never understood that pick. Kel- like, and Kellen Farrell has never turned into a third overall pick. Yeah. Like Josh I, Allen I, I, was by far the pick there. They just didn't make it. Oh, my God. Yeah, no. I, I, the Raiders, they just pick. It's like they put a pick it's, out of a hat. And they're like, like, a, they, like, throw a dart. And they're like, oh, that's yeah, a cool name. Dart, we'll exactly. take it. Josh that's Allen it. on defense, mind you, not Buffalo. Yeah, no. I, I mean I mean defensive end Josh Allen, who's now in Jacksonville. But <laughs> John Gruden – Speak of, let's talk about let's talk about the Raiders for a little bit. They're the, the most hysterical team in football. John I mean, Gruden is the highest paid head coach in football. I also may add. He's is he yet really? to, yes, he's on a ten-year, one hundred million dollar contract. Wow! Okay, but he is a proven head coach, though. Yeah, but he hasn't done anything. He hasn't done anything. But but when the Raiders signed him, he hadn't coached in like forever. Um, like what has he done for the for the franchise or for the team that 
caught. Dude, like they the haven't made any contract. like what he's on year four of his contract this year, yeah. uh, of his fully guaranteed hundred million dollar contract. Uh, he's on year four of it, and they have yet to they've yet to show any fight of going to the playoffs. Well, they um almost did last year, but then um that's magic happened to them. Yeah, <laughs> would have been. So this is, you know, I think they have a shot this year. Well, they do. Their offense is interesting. Uh, Henry Ruggs is—he's gonna be. He, well, he is. A, he showed really good flashes yeah, last absolutely. year. Absolutely. Derek Carr. I mean, look, they're not gonna win the division, obviously, because they have no, to. They gotta play the Chiefs. The Chiefs. They're gonna run away with it. That is but. the only. I think the only team that could remotely even challenge the Chiefs would probably be the Chargers. Yeah. Well, well the Chargers. The, the Chargers get all healthy on defense. They get Derwin James back. They also improve the offensive line. Um, yeah, but you also can't trust them because they tend to um, fall apart late in games. Yeah, but they haven't. Yeah, but I think there was a lot of Anthony Lynn and a lot of special team stuff. So they have a new head coach now. Yeah, they were smart to let him go after the season. I, I actually really liked Anthony Lynn. I think he's a great person. I think he's a yeah, great coach. Look, too. I'm not saying he's not, but but there look, were a I mean, lot they, of even though they started marks. three and seven through the first ten games, but still finished seven and nine, a strong finish by mm-hmm. Justin, Justin Herbert. Herbert. Still well, obviously not- wasn't enough because there were a lot of close games that came back to haunt them, if you will. Yeah, I can promise that I will be drafting Justin Herbert as my starting quarterback in fantasy next year. Um, I had him I had him this year. It was it was great for me. He was putting up like over 20 points a game. I he, had Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. And then for the first half of the season, Wilson was doing great for me. But then the second half, not so much. And then I switched to Rodgers because then, you know. And Rodgers Roger went off. But, yeah. But then, yeah, he's off the table for me now. I was thinking, oh, I, I got to have him again for the third year in a row. But Raider, Raiders should be interesting. Chiefs definitely run. They, they all they did this all season was improve. Yeah, I mean <laughs> they added great. Orlando Brown and stuff. It, yeah, you know I think they'll win the Super Bowl again this year. They're gonna be there. I don't think any team in the AFC yeah. is gonna be able to challenge them. No. Uh, one question before we round this out. It just popped in my head. I think it's a very because next when we come back on football will be starting. So I want to get this out of the way. I think the most competitive division of football next year will be the AFC North. Yeah. So, oh, without a doubt. In yeah. that sense, we have uh, Bengals. I think we could probably rule out of it. Even yeah, the Bengals, Bengals, the Bengals offense like could, would be good if Joe Burrow wasn't going to get sacked every play. Yeah. But <laughs> when you look outside of that, Steelers are interesting. They add a legit. They did not have a legit running back last year. Their running game was awful in Pittsburgh. They add Najee Harris. That's going to help. Najee's going to um, be great. And he say what you want about Juju Smith Schuster, but he's he's a he's an okay receiver. He's fun to watch. He's got to stop dancing. He's got to stop doing so many TikToks. Yeah, he's got to stop doing TikTok dancing <laughs> on, on people's fields. But <laughs> Chase Claypool is a really good wide receiver, too. Hey, then you look at the Ravens. All the Ravens did this offseason was improve, adding Sammy Watkins and Rashad Bateman. So now yeah, absolutely. no look, they really They really made progress last year. They finally – Lamar Jackson finally won a playoff game. And on the road, too, in Tennessee, a team that went – all the way to the AFC Championship game a mm-hmm. season ago. And Lamar Jackson lead against the Chiefs. Yeah, and Lamar Jackson is so dangerous on his legs because we know now he has legit weapons. He didn't really have that before. His top receiver, what Hollywood Brown is, he's not that. He's okay. He's he's a good deep threat. He's a good deep threat, but he's not like an A plus receiver. I think Bateman's a little better than him. It has potentially better than him. But now we, and he also that team itself looks like it could be a lot better, especially J.K. Dobbins takes a step up on the running on the run game. Their O line, their O line's never been bad, but Lamar Jackson can run around, so they don't need to have like a stellar yeah. offensive line. But then you look at the Browns, and the Browns have what could be the like best or second best roster on paper in the entire league, but they're the Browns. Mm-hmm. So 
what's your pick to before we round out this segment we went through all the four teams who's your pick to win the afc north i'll go first i'm gonna go cleveland i think this is cleveland's year to win to win it and challenge potentially challenge the chiefs i think baker is only going to look better um their head coach, I'm blanking on his name, but he just won off. He just won Kevin coach Stefanski. of the year. Kevin Stefanski, yes, thank you. He won coach of the year, and he's a really good head coach. We've seen they had Nick Chubb, they have Kareem Hunt. He's got the what? He's got the weapons that make it happen, and they got the defense to make it happen. So I'm gonna say I think I think the Browns go to the AFC Championship. Yeah, okay. and, and Nick, I'm going to challenge you on that, and I'm gonna actually say the Baltimore Ravens win it too, with all the new additions. And obviously, wouldn't surprise Lamar, me either. Yeah, Lamar Jackson doing what he's been able to do best. I mean, mm-hmm. run with the football and then throw it on the run. His play action passes. I, I really think their offense and their defense has been unbelievable too. I think just, just I just think they're a more complete team. And I think this year's AFC championship game is going to be Chiefs Ravens. But obviously I think it's going to be at Arrowhead. All right, Gabe. Yeah, so I'm going to challenge both of you guys. I'm going to say the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's going to be my pick. Um, just because I think solely that the Steelers were lacking a lot of their running game. Their running game last year just was not good. Now you put in Najee Harris, who I think is a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. I think he's going to take their game to a whole new level. Um, you know, throughout the season, we saw the Steelers have a lot of COVID problems. They would have like multiple players out. So now hopefully they put that under control, they're going to have their full team and full roster there. So I'm going to say it's going to be Pittsburgh in Arrowhead next year. All right. All one three. thing we can all rule out is that the Bengals don't really. The Bang- Bengals aren't <laughs> going to win it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that, a miracle would have to happen if the Bengals win it, but that's going to do it for block two here on timeout listening. You are listening to timeout here on VIC radio. We will be back out for a short bit. Talk about some hockey controversy and we'll tw- round it out with some Knicks. You are listening to timeout here on VIC radio. Hey besties. If you love VIC radio as much as we do, you want to know what's going on in the studio or you want to stay in the VIC loop, why not follow us on our Twitter at VIC Radio and our Instagram, which is also at VIC Radio. Keep listening to the best of what's next, your favorite indie music station. VIC Radio is the voice of Ithaca College. Here's a campus organization you can get involved in. Want to help bring a little more love to your campus community? I see Random Acts of Kindness Club meets every Monday from 8 to 9 p.m. in the Business School, Room 104. Stop by to socialize, participate in fun events, get creative, and be kind. For more information, please email randomactsofkindnessic at gmail.com. Want to get your organization's message on the air? Email community at vicradio.org to connect with the Campus Community Involvement Director. Welcome back to Time Out. If you were just tuning in, you're listening to now Block 3 here of Time Out on VIC Radio. Um, some controversy happened in the NFL this week. It's been fight week for New York sports, as Craig Carton put it earlier this week. Um, earlier this week, I'm pretty sure it was Monday or it was Tuesday, um, Tom Wilson tried to assassinate Artemi Panarin on the ice. Uh, just really, really, really screwed up what happened there. Um, and then before that, he Buchnevich, uh, Pavel Buchnevich, a forward on the Rangers, fell trying to score a goal. Um, Ranger fan, Ranger teammate trying to help him up, but Tom Wilson, just the awful human being he is, uh, punched Buchnevich when he was on the ground. It was just no one, no capital was even near him. Tom Wilson 
is literally just a, like continues to repeat offend um unnecessary roughness but in that period of time he managed to like throw artemi rip artemi panarin's helmet off and then throw him headfirst onto the ice which literally could have killed artemi panarin he's also out for the rest of the year now with an injury because of it um last night in this recording on thursday so wednesday night um the rangers played the capitals literally the puck drop and there were three fight there were three fights as the puck dropped uh, it was just insane and then our, tom wilson got his head kicked in by brendan smith uh tom wilson also because he's just doesn't know how to stick up for himself decides to leave the game with an upper body tightness after the first period doesn't come back in fortunately the rangers lose four to two but Cornell alum Morgan Barron scores his first goal. So shout out to our neighbors over on the East Hill here in Ithaca. Um, I'll throw it to Gabe first. What are your thoughts on all of what that's happened? And especially now, uh, big news with Gorton and JD getting fired. Now Chris Drury is taking over the entire front office. Um, what are your thoughts here, Gabe? This has been a weird week <laughs> yeah, for I mean, the Rangers. Before, before I get into it, yeah, shout out um, Barron. I mean – Nick and I, or a couple of my friends, I don't know if Nick was there. I think Jeremy was there. I know um, I went with you. It was you, me, Jeremy, and Kyle. Uh, we saw Baron play at Cornell, an amazing player. So huge shout out to him and the, and the Cornell hockey team. Uh, but, you know, I think what Wilson did on Tuesday night was just, that, that's like even beyond like, you know, unsportsmanlike conduct. I mean, that is just, you're, you're just flat out trying to hurt somebody. And as hockey players know, and as people that watch hockey, you know, when you push someone on the ice head first, it's not like it's just a, a bruise. Like you, you're going to get in some serious damage, you know, concussion might even, you know, include death in that. So that's the first strike. And I think that is just way uncalled for, way uncalled for. And then what happened with him and uh, Buchnevich is like, that, that's just, it's silly. Like there's no, like he is just doing that to, I know obviously, you know, the Capitals and the Rangers have, you know, their history of, of back and forth. They don't like each other. That's totally cool. But that's crossing the line. That's way, yeah. way, way. You're way over the line at this point. And he, he, he chose like he woke up and he chose violence. Let's be honest here. Like he woke up and he was like, I don't really care about the rules of hockey. You know, obviously we see our fair share of brutal hits and you know getting injured in hockey, but this is like stepping over, stepping way over the line. Um, and you know, he Tom Wilson was obviously uh, eventually fine. Like five. I think it was like five thousand. He got five thousand dollars, but it was for what happened with Buchnevich. No yeah. penalty at so all. No, yeah. So there was no penalty. He should have been for... suspended indefinitely. Like, this yeah, is like, something like this. Remember, he did. Uh, he had a hit, like a really dirty hit, that knocked out one of the Bruins earlier in the year. He got a two-game suspension for that. This is arguably even worse than that. He's like, a repeat offender, and I don't think Tom Wilson should be playing hockey anymore. Yeah, like this is like this is yes. Okay, so he was fined by that, and I think what really angered Rangers fans was. The, the Panarin thing is like, they, they didn't do anything. There was no fine. There was no suspension. He, they, he would, they were just like, okay, yeah, I guess, you know, they, they just like, you know, shrugged it off. But this is like, I think, you know, if we're looking at what injury was worse, I think Panarin's could have been fatal because you're going head first into, into ice, like into yeah. solid ice. So he should have been penalized. I think, you know, I agree with you, Nick, that he should have been either suspended for the, the rest of the season or fined a large amount of money but 5k him, that's, that's 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 tip money for these for these you know, exactly and so like he's so there should have been some sort of repercussion that happens to, to wilson so you know fast forward two more days you know or a day later or whatever it is you know wednesday night 
of course a fight's going to break out there. Like I, if I was on the Rangers, of course I would go after like this team because, you know, you don't just do that and expect like us not to, or, you know, the Rangers to react, Mm -hmm. you know, when I, when I, when I saw the clip at first, I thought it was fake. I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is a video game. Like there's no way that three fights, four fights just broke out as the puck barely as the puck dropped. (laughs) Like the puck was barely like, you know, no one even touched. It was like, boom, straight there. Like people were already fighting. In the first couple minutes, the Capitals had seven people in the penalty box. Oh yeah. Like at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Because of fights. it, It makes sense because that like this is you know we, we we've seen our fair share as hockey fans and fanatics of brutal hits you know there's been terrible hits but this is just uh something that is unacceptable you can't you just it's it, it there's no other word for it but unacceptable you know you, you're endangering players it's you're not focusing like this isn't just oh i'm gonna you know body check him into the boards it's like no i'm i'm putting someone's life on the line by pushing them without a helmet onto the ice, you know, uh, it's just, it's, it's reckless. It's really, really reckless. And I think, you know, he should be, you know, maybe fined or suspended a couple games or suspended for the rest of the season because it's, it's, it's reckless. It's really, really mm-hmm. reckless. Yeah. Gabe, there's no question that this incident obviously crossed the line. Yeah. And another thing, and like the developments that have happened after this, the Rangers put out a statement, which I've never seen in my time of any sport fan, calling out the entire Department of Player Safety, calling out the entire NHL, and saying that the uh, president of player safety was George Paros, who was an incredibly dirty enforcer when he played in the NHL, and now he's the player of he's the head of the Department of Player Safety, which is hysterical to me, saying that he is unfit to continue with his job, and they recommend the NHL fire him. But today the NHL slams back on the Rangers and finds the entire organization $250,000 for making that statement to begin with saying it was unprofessional. The Rangers to question George Paros's professionalism dedication to his role and the department of player safety. So I guess we'll get our thoughts on this. The Rangers defending their own players here after the NHL, really the league fails to defend its own players and protect its own players. Rangers come out and try making a statement about it and the league just slashed back. So uh, personally, hockey is my favorite sport, but looking what's I mean, going on right now, most of the NHL doesn't really care. I mean, they I, don't care about yeah. player safety. That's, you know, that's all the message they sent today. Yeah, I mean, clearly they are just like, okay, whatever. Like, you know, but I think, you know, with, with hockey, like if and any hockey fans out this knows this, that it's, it's a dangerous sport. You know, you're going to get hit. You're going to get body checked. You're going to end up on the, you know, that's why they wear so many pads. That's why they wear the helmet. You know, there's been numerous injuries uh, throughout the NHL history and hockey history that have been crazy injuries. Um, mm-hmm. But what, what the NHL did today proved that they are, they don't care about their players. You know, mm-hmm. they don't care about, you know, somebody, you know, or, you know, Panarin's out for the rest of the season with a lower body injury because he's he literally a star. Down. Like he's one of the NHL superstars. Yeah. Like <laughs> one of the best players in the NHL. They're like, okay, whatever, you know, doesn't matter. It's, and of course, like as, as any franchise should do, they're trying to support and, and like, you know, come to the side of, of Panarin, which is totally called for, but the NHL clearly is like, you know, whatever, we don't care. Um, you know, and that and probably goes to the whole point of why Tom Wilson wasn't fined or suspended for the rest of the season. Yeah. They're right there, you know, mm-hmm. right there. Moving on, there's, there's so much we could say about the NHL, but we'd have to dedicate an entire show to it probably. Uh, moving on, let's talk about the New York Rangers. Uh, New York Rangers, 
We can talk about the New York Rangers. Let me also talk about the New York Knicks, a little basketball. The New York Knicks are the hottest team. They literally have the, I think in the last month, they literally have the best record in the entire, uh, the entire NBA. Um, let's talk a little about the New York Knicks. Julius Randle continues to add to his MVP campaign despite the New York Knicks losing 113-97 to to the Denver Nuggets last night. Um, it's unfortunate, but what are we going to do? You win some, you lose some. The Knicks need to get, out, get a bad game out of their system at some point. Um, but legitimately, if you look at if you look at the box score breakdown, then the only the only quarter the Knicks were outscored in was was the first quarter. The Knicks had an awful first quarter. They ended the first quarter down thirty four to twelve. Um, they had a really bad first quarter, but the Knicks actually outscored the Denver Nuggets in every other quarter of the game. So that's something to look forward to. Um, Knicks play again tomorrow night in Phoenix at ten p.m. Uh, you can catch that on MSG for people who are in that local market. They're playing the Phoenix Suns tomorrow again. Phoenix Suns beat them a couple nights, a couple last week, I'm pretty sure. Um, Chris Paul just hits sharkish shots. He does it his entire career. But Gabe, uh, we talked about the Knicks last year. They're looking more and more legit as we keep going. What are your thoughts? What is the sky the limit for this team? I, I think so. I mean, this team, you know, of course, when you're playing against Denver, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough battle. You know, we've seen Denver this season. Be especially Jokic. Especially Jokic. He's going to – Jokic is – like as much as I want Julius Randle win MVP, it's probably going to be – it's yeah. going to be Jokic. It probably is going to be Jokic. But I think, you know, the, the sky's a limit for this team. I mean, they've been playing so well. Um, you know, they, they've, they've, they've just been on, you know. They're fourth right now in the Eastern Conference. You know, they're literally on the cusp of making it to the playoffs, um, which is going to be huge for them. They need to win one more game and they'll clinch it. Right. You know, and, and, you know, I guess I think if we're looking at their, their, you know, their schedule here, you know, they're, they're having a little bit of a, you know, interesting, like the next couple of games we'll say, you know, they're playing the Suns uh, Friday, they're playing the Clippers, they're playing the Lakers and they got the Spurs. So some, some pretty good, some solid teams coming their way. The next uh, three games are going to be hard. The yeah. Suns, Clippers and Lakers, all teams top at the West. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Uh, so, Jack Henry, let's let's get your thoughts on on this Knicks team. What do you see for them? I see for them that even though they're only one game out of a playoff spot, if they want it that bad, they're going to try and wrap this up as soon as possible, clinch right. that spot. And obviously then the next goal is to try to secure the highest seeding possible. Yeah, mm-hmm. What it's looking yeah. like is like remainder of the season-wise, the highest seed I'm pretty sure the Knicks can attain would probably be the fourth seed. We're not no the Knicks aren't going to pass the Bucks. They're not going to pass the Nets. They're not going to pass the Sixers. The Knicks are five games behind the Bucks, um, and they're only like eight or nine games left in the season. Yeah, yeah, no, it's I think a little think, out of reach. Yeah, but I think as a Knicks fan, I mean, you got to be. I mean, we, we are. This is exhilarating. Like Jeremy's like, you know, he talks about the Knicks all the time. It's like this, you know, this team has been phenomenal. And if you're if you're a Knicks fan, I mean, I would be absolutely, you know, ecstatic and pleased from this team and what they've done because. You know, if we look at it from them last year, I mean, last year it's like a total turnaround. No, the Knicks, the Knicks have the clinched turn. their, yeah, it's a huge turnaround. The Knicks have clinched their first winning season since 2012. That's crazy. That was with Mello. Yeah. That's the Nine year we year. beat that the Celtics. Mello, that's right. Uh huh. It's been, yeah, it's been not, it's been almost a decade since the Knicks have had a winning season and they finally got it to happen in 2021. Things are finally looking like it's going to turn around in New York. Um, this has been like the literal bottom of the NBA in terms of franchise toxic- toxicity. Um, after we had Phil Jackson, um, Phil Jackson was bad, and then you had Steve Mills. Steve Mills was bad. Now we have we have a new we have a new president, Scott Perry. I don't know how much longer he's going to stick around as GM. I don't really know how much he's really doing anything right now. Um, 
but it doesn't even matter. Tom Thibodeau has totally turned around the way this franchise looked. And there are reports that the Knicks could be a desirable trade destination or even franchise signing destination like a, for free agents. Uh, yeah. People may want to come to New York now. This is what we had to do. This is what the Knicks had to do. The Knicks had to establish that they can win and players are going to want to come. That's what the Nets did. That's how they got Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Once The Knicks are such a huge market. Literally everybody wants to play in MSG. So... <laughs> If the, the Knicks turn themselves around, you make themselves, you make yourselves a desirable franchise. Look what happens. I mean, yeah, we've seen it. You know, you told me the Nets would be second in the Eastern Conference last year. I'd have been like, you're, you're crazy. Like, it's, it's insane. And look where they are now. I mean, their, their squad is, is completely stacked and some of the best NBA players um, of all time. And let me, let me ask you guys a broad question here. What team out of, out of you know, Eastern and Western conferences has surprised you the most? Uh, besides the Knicks, I don't want to toot our own horn, toot, toot everybody's own horn with the yeah. Knicks. But I'm gonna say the Phoenix Suns. Um, yeah, I was gonna say the Suns too. I mean, they've been hit like another team. Booker, like you know, CP, Chris like, Paul. They, they've been doing some amazing stuff. Yeah, you know? they they have been a franchise that's been a, like like the Knicks that has really been at the bottom of the Western Conference year after year after year after year. Monty Williams comes in in one season. They're looking good last year. They get a bid into the play. They get a bid into the bubble. They get those eight games. It's like the regular season games to finish out in the bubble. They look phenomenal winning all eight oh, that yeah. they're in there. But it's just not enough. It's just not enough for a playing game because it's just the way the Western Conference spell. But the Suns looked good at the in the bubble last year. They add CP3 this offseason. Monty Williams looking like he could be – it's going to be between him and Tom Thibodeau for Coach of the Year because they've turned – both coaches have turned two poorly run franchises around, and the Suns have the best record in the entire NBA. Yeah. It's not 100%. just the Western Conference. It's the entire league. <laughs> which, is, which is very surprising, and that's, you know, big props to that coaching staff. And I, you know, oh, I take it back. I take it back. No, the Jazz, the Jazz did oh, retake yeah, that's it. Right. That's right. The Jazz. They, 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 regardless, they're the second best record in the entire NBA. I mean, you know, and, and I think, as we said before, with the Knicks and Thibodeau, it's like it, when you have a, a quality coach and your coach gels well with the players, that's where you see the best teams and the teams that like stand out because it's like not only are your players playing well, but your coaching staff is is doing its job. And yeah. it, when it goes together – it's magic. And we see it with mm-hmm. the Suns. We see it with the Jazz. We see it with the Knicks. We see it with, you know, a lot of the teams in the NBA. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's no question about that. Team chemistry is obviously a big factor in the team's success. I mean, look what it did to the Knicks from last year. Absolutely horrible season. And now they're on the cusp of making the playoffs in their first winning season in almost a decade. What a difference mm-hmm. a year makes. Yeah. That's right. And wrapping up the end of our show here, final show here for the spring 2021 semester season two of time out here um we'll wrap it up with our hot takes uh i'll go first we got about a minute left so we'll each give our hot takes in my hot take of the week the new york knicks make the playoffs as the four seed they'll play the atlanta hawks that means pretty much as a five seed knicks win that series move on to the second round to face what looks like could be a new york nets matchup gabe yeah, so for me, it's going to be um, – and I know this is kind of a very big push, but my hot take of the week is that uh, we're recording this Thursday, so Rangers-Bruins. Uh, Nick's probably going to say the same thing here. Um, I think Rangers are going to take it, hopefully, praying hopefully. here. Hopefully we're going to take it um, against the Boston Bruins who have been playing very well, but that's my hot take. Rangers over Bruins tonight. And my – Final hot take for this week is going to be that next week when the Yankees go down to Tampa Bay to play the Rays, 
they're going to be a much more confident team and take two out of three from them. There we go. Awesome. That's going to do it here for our final episode this season of timeout. Thank you to everybody who's tuned in this semester. It has been great to broadcast you guys here on VIC radio, but do not fret. We will be back next semester. Thank you for everything. And for Jack Henry Sissio and Gabe Baltiera, I'm Nick Lebrano. Have a fantastic Saturday morning.